shelter from the storm. Welcome to the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily walk through the Bible with me, Pastor Jason Poling, as we seek shelter in Jesus Christ from the storms of this life. It's a great day to glorify God. This is Pastor Jason coming to you with the Shelter from the Storm podcast, a daily brief dive into God's Word. Uh, this is something we've been doing in, for a while now. Thank you for those that have joined on this podcast and uh, definitely share it with your friends. And we would love to hear your feedback as well. Hopefully it's been encouraging. I have heard from a number of people that feel like it's been very encouraging just to go into the ancient but relevant Word of God. When we go through the times that we've been going through, the struggles, maybe individual struggles that you're facing, uh, but just struggles we're facing as a country and as a world, it is great to just go back to the only shelter that we have in the midst of our storms, and that's the Word of God. And of course, it points to the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And so we're in the Gospel of Mark because the Gospels, the whole Scripture points to Jesus, of course, but the Gospels just um, really poignantly um, reveal him in a powerful way. And so we're going to be looking today at Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and following. We just got out of the account of the transfiguration, where Jesus was transformed before the three disciples, and they could see the, the, the kingdom uh, on the cusp of being um, revealed and inaugurated and started at the cross and resurrection. And then they come down off the mountain, and they see this boy who's got the demon possession and epileptic type seizures and and Jesus uh, heals the the boy casts out the demon and we we learn a lot about you know what it is to have true faith in 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 Jesus healing people not just physically that's not the ultimate reason why he came but to heal us spiritually at a deep level so we could uh, be not so deceived by the lies and the the illusions of this earthly place, but to see a greater reality, a heavenly kingdom reality. So I know it's kind of mind blowing. It's hard to get our minds around. And, but you know, the more that we look at the universe and we, if you study any kind of astrophysics or just kind of dabble, I'm not really, I'm a dabbler and that stuff. I'm not uh, at all able to understand it all. But when I do a little like layman's study, I'm just like, this is mind blowing. The universe and the cosmos we live in is out of this world, literally. And, and it's, it's the cosmic, realities that are occurring on levels that we can't understand, you know, spiritual battles. And of course we call them supernatural. doesn't mean they're mythological or they're not um, things that are real. They're somehow like Greek mythology, just sort of made up stories. No, it's supernatural, supra above nature. They are beyond what we in our little carbon-based uh, life form abilities with the, 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 uh, senses that we possess. We just can't see that above nature stuff. You know, so when you look at things like dark matter, dark energy, all that kind of stuff, we're like, we can't even fathom it. So I think there's so much going on. And Jesus comes down into our little world of illusions and is showing us something greater. And so that's what he does uh, with the disciples there after the healing of this, this boy, this, this demon exorcism and showing a greater reality. But then we get into 33, they come away from that experience. They came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he began to question them. I'm in the New American Standard, by the way. Uh, translation. He began to question them, what were you discussing on the way? And of course, they felt very sheepish, embarrassed, because they were always talking about this. This happened several times in the Gospels. They kept silent because they knew what the issue that they had been talking about was. And on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And that is so common in humanity. Everyone's competing. Everyone wants to be the best, uh, especially in uh, the American context. It's all about 
achieving and and dominating and being voted the American Idol or uh, winning the Super Bowl or being considered the most respected person in your field of industry. And it afflicts everyone, even pastors, even people in ministry, which is, of course, the most disgusting place that it can be um, evidenced because in ministry, we're called to be like Jesus and servants and humble, but it can afflict us too. And it afflicted the disciples, the ones closest to Jesus. So then what Jesus does is to respond to this because he knew what they were dealing with, this jealousy, this rivalry, this competitiveness. He called the 12, sitting down, calls the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Taking a child, and he, again, always is using sort of living parables and examples to reveal these deep truths to them. Because we know if anyone wants to be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. We know that is obvious that being a servant, being a, a, a person who loves people and ministers to them is far better than being uh, arrogant and prideful and thinking you're the best. We know that, but of course we fall into it and we do that across the board with our political leaders. Uh, we want them to be dominant. We want them to be, um, you know, not really show the humility. And so we're kind of tortured in this. We we know what Jesus is saying is true, but we don't live that way. And so what Jesus does, he takes a child it doesn't take a pastor, doesn't take a industry leader, doesn't take a politician, doesn't take anybody who's achieved a bunch in this life. He takes a child. Of course, in that time, even today, but definitely back then, you know, a child should be seen, not heard. A child had no status. A child was wholly dependent, had no independence and no control. Uh, lower than probably even a household slave at that time. Takes a child. And he set him before them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. So we have to have this attitude that looks at every person and, and sees uh, the value in them, does not look at them for their achievements, um, but simply um, loves them because they are made in the image of God, and we receive them as such. We receive them in the name of Christ. You have been, we have respect for them, no matter who the person is, no matter what we think of their past or their non-achievements or their achievements, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. We see them as a beautiful uh, creation of God, and we respect them and value them. And so that in that way, we receive them um, in the name of Christ, who loves them even more than we could ever. And when we do that, we receive not just, we. Re, it says, whoever receives me, we receive Jesus in that process because he says that that's the whole agenda for his mission is for us to love God, love him, and love others. First John, one of the disciples who learned this very well and learned it the hard way because he was one that struggled with wanting to be the greatest. But John, as he grows older and he realizes what Jesus taught in the book of First John, he speaks about how if we must love our brothers and sisters of all stripes. If we don't, we don't have the love of God. And so that's what Jesus is saying here is, if you love them, you have my love. You know me, you receive me, but you also receive your Father, God the Father. You're reconciled back to him. So John said to him, verse 38, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And this is where it gets really practical, right? Um, ministry issues. Uh, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. 
So this is an issue that we have in our day and, and probably happens in, 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 in all kinds of tribal factions, right? And identity politics and things like that. But it happens in the church too. And it happens with when we start to divide and polarize based on, you know, petty differences or things that we don't consider petty. That's the problem. We think that they're so essential and they're not. Um, It's not that we don't have differences of opinions, interpretations on scripture and differences of practices and traditions and all that. That's, that is normal. That happens and it's okay to, um, to have those differences and to value the fact that we don't agree on things as Christians. Uh, But what happens is we typically uh, make those things more prominent in our minds and we see them as um, negatives or uh, pockmarks against that person, that other Christian, the other Christian pastor, other Christian friend. And we, we don't receive them just simply because they're, they're like that little child, right? We all are like the little child, just simply beloved by God, created in the image of God. And when that little child is simply holding on to Jesus, that is the most beautiful thing. So when our fellow brother or sister in Christ, when they're just holding on to Jesus and that is their hope in life and in the life, the next life, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. They believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. And we receive them in that name of Jesus. And even if they are doing things differently than the way we do them, you know, he says, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. You're, they were doing a ministry that was outside of our purview, outside of our jurisdiction, outside of what we understand to be the right way to do it, et cetera. And they're, of course, doing it in your name. So obviously, if they're not doing it in their name, if it's a completely different system or worldview or religion, and they're doing other things not in the name of Jesus, we still love that person, respect that person, um, but we don't we don't have an affiliation or a connection. We don't, we don't consider them... Uh, Christians, right? But if the person is receiving Christ and doing ministry in the name of Christ, sincerely, um, we should not try to prevent them. Like the disciples tried to step in and prevent them because the person was not doing things exactly the way we do them. Um, And Jesus said very clearly, do not hinder him for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, right? Doing it in the name of Christ again. Truly, I say to you, he will not lose his reward. So he's just wrapping this up uh, in a way that's saying we must simply unify at the basic level of being in the love of Christ, being, um, being in the name of Christ, being Christians. And not look at their performance, not look at their um, the, the perfection of their theology, or as maybe we would say, uh, the way in which their theology lines up perfectly with our theology, which is a prideful way of saying my theology is always right, and so you need to line up with mine in every particular for me to fully be able to accept you, and to not, and so that I don't think of myself as better than you. Right? That's the issue. The disciples are thinking that they're better than these people they're doing ministry outside of the purview of the twelve disciple band. We have to be very careful of that. So it's just keeping the main thing, the main thing, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. When someone casts themselves on him and his mercy, even when they don't do the things that we do, or they they do Christianity differently than us, um, we just got to be very careful of not judging them. In fact, there's, we're not going to have time now. We'll look at it tomorrow, but there's a great warning 
in verse 42, that if we do get caught up in this, um, this, you know, warfare or this judgmentalism between tribes in the Christian faith, um, there's a very dangerous outcome for those who cause those little ones who are trying to seek Christ. There's a dangerous outcome for those uh, who cause them to stumble in their in their journey with Jesus. So basically, it's a call to just come back to the reality that we need to be humble, like realizing that we are just children completely dependent on Christ, completely dependent on Him giving us the ability to even understand the Bible at all at any level, and just be acknowledging that we probably get a lot of it wrong, and we can love other people who also acknowledge Jesus, but maybe do it differently from us. And again, I know there's some nuances there to tease out. Uh, we'll talk about this maybe at another point, because there are things that um, if they directly contradict or go against Scripture, um, it's something that we should address with our brothers and sisters. But we don't need to judge them for it, and we don't need to um, cast them off. We just need to talk with them about it. And But being aware that the most important thing is, do they hold on to Jesus as their Savior? Are they in a child in the name of Jesus? So hope that made a little bit of sense. Uh, just running through it quickly. Love you guys. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for taking a few minutes today to dive into the Word of God with me. I always love hearing your feedback and questions. So you can email me at jason at cornerstoneyc.com. Looking forward to continue in the Word of God with you as we seek shelter from the storm in Jesus Christ.